most of the fears that you come up against in your life are not as bad if at all anything like what you're imagining they're going to be and when you go through the, when you face the challenge when you accept the challenge and you come through and you f and you face the fear and you conquer the fear then you get to feel the exhilaration of victory see and that's why i'm at the point in my life where when i f am afraid of something i go to it fear stops us from achieving our true greatness are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom family. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. And this week, we have with us Clint Arthur, and he's going to tell us all about who he is and all of the things that he's up to. Take it away, Clint. <laughs> Hey, when I met Mick Jagger, I said, Sir Mick, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, you can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you might find you get what you need. And I know it's just a lyric from one of his songs, but hey, that's Mick Jagger. He can say whatever the heck he wants. And also, that's one of the greatest songs of all time. And also, it's a really great philosophy for living because, you know, a lot of times we go into stuff and we don't, we don't really want what we're gonna get especially when it's scary you know uh i i had an operation last week they cut out the lenses out of my eyes the natural crystalline lenses out of my eyes and replaced them with latex interocular trifocal lenses they basically scooped out my eyeballs and replaced them with artificial that was the scariest thing I've ever done in my entire life. But here I am. That operation was on the first. That was five days ago. Yes. How, how's it look? Looks good. There's no redness. <laughs> Your face looks good. Amazing. And now I can see, you know? Now I can read my phone. Whereas before, I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm, I'm 47. 50, I'm 10 years older than you. And when I was about your age is when I started wearing readers. Okay. And I lost the ability to look at my phone without having to really squint to see what was on what was going on there. Let alone read my watch. I got a beautiful watch. It's got it's got a number on it. Like you can oh, yeah. see you yeah. can see Yeah, you can see the number, right? Well, I yeah, couldn't see yeah. that number for a long oh time. Gosh. I couldn't see the number. Yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you what. The most amazing thing, we're going to talk about fear today in different circumstances, different uh, scenarios, 
But the, I really think that the most important thing about fear is that when you have conquered the fear, you're a better person. You're a more mature person with a deeper character. My favorite quote from General George S. Patton, accept the challenges so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. You want to talk about fear, think about going into battle. You want, every time I've, I'm facing a fear, it's like going into battle. And I've faced a lot of fears in the last couple of years. Hey, I'm rhyming. I'm rhyming. Good. <laughs> I faced a, couple, a lot of fears in the last couple of years. And it, I really feel, I was telling my wife this the other day. We've been married now almost 20 years. Oh, I, that's awesome. I used, I used to feel young. You probably feel pretty young. Uh, well, <laughs> there are moments. <laughs> I used to feel young until just a few years ago. Probably until the pandemic, I've, I really felt young and almost immature. Even though I was doing all kinds of stuff, dealing with the U.S. Army and Harvard and NASDAQ and London Stock Exchange and Oxford and Cambridge, I was doing a lot of big stuff, Mercedes. Porsche, Microsoft, AT&T. I was doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. But only recently in the last couple of years when I've really been facing down the fears have I started to feel mature. Mm. So I think I've hit, I must have hit middle age. I, I think that's Oh, dear. I think that's the transition. <laughs> that's the transition point. I don't. I don't feel like a young I don't man. Know, middle age. I don't feel like a young man anymore. I don't feel old. I don't feel right, old, right, right, but I don't right. feel young. Yeah, so I if I don't feel either. young and I don't feel old, well, I well, guess that I is the middle. I guess that would be the middle. middle. I've transitioned <laughs> into the middle, and part of that transition was cutting my own eyeballs out of my head and replacing them with artificial lenses. So there you go. Wow. And so, so, so let's talk about that right because um so what like you must have like what what was it like going up to the surgery because i mean i'm not a surgeon i'm an emergency physician but i have friends who are surgeons and i know um you know how they prepare for a surgery and how mentally they do their exercises and such but i'm curious for you, you know, what was it like for you as a patient? And then to have it be something that is such an integral part of your ability to to process your surroundings, right? Your vision. Like how 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 was that for you? Like how did you face that fear? And here's the worst part of it all is that I could see. If I wore reading glasses, number two, I could see. I could drive. I had great distance vision, but I had not good close and medium vision. And I felt like, you know, one of my sayings that I talk about a lot in my book is something is better than nothing. And here I was taking the something that I had, I had some vision and trading it for no vision for a while, you know, a very brief period of time, I had no vision. When they cut out my eyeballs, I had no vision. And they do this whole thing while you're awake. You're awake, you have to have your eyes open, and they tell you to look at the light, 
Keep looking at the light, Clint. And that was my own instruction. Then you see like the, the instruments there. I mean, do you see that? I mean, I don't know. Okay. I'm just okay. curious from the patient standpoint. You know, I'm like, what is, what is it like? First of all, they strap you into the chair. You're on okay. like a, 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 a an ophthalmology surgery chair, right? Yeah. They lay you down on this chair and they strap you in. Thank God they strapped me in. Because yeah, if they didn't strap me in, I would I probably would have bolted. I I probably would have bolted. Get me out of here. <laughs> then they take this blue surgical sheet and put it over you, and there's a foggy plastic window in there. And then the surgeon takes tweezers and peels it open. And when I was laying there with just my eye exposed that's when i would have bolted because that's yeah. when i knew it was real you see yeah. that's when i knew it was real no, oh no my God. turning that back so freaking scary you have no idea knowing what's coming next what's coming next is they take a laser and they cut a two millimeter slit in the side of your eyeball and then they freeze your natural crystalline lens of your eye until it shatters and i saw I saw all the cracks and crackle, the crackles of the shattered lens. Like I could see, I could like my eyes were blurry because my pupils were dilated, but I could see, I could see until they shattered the lens. And I saw all the crackles, and then they suctioned all that crackled out lens out. Mm -hmm. And then, see. then I can, then I could see light, but I couldn't uh, see anything. I could just see light. Wow. Yeah, and the light started out being like this when i had my my crystalline lens it was just like a a small light but then once the lens was gone boom my my retina was unmasked by any lens and i could see all the light but nothing you know wow wow yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, that, then, so, that, that so then, so then, when that's really scary, and so then, the, so then, what was the next? The next step was them putting in the um the prosthesis, right? So that, so what what happened there? Like, how was that? Well, you know, the, first of all, your eyes are numb, right? This is this is the lens. It's called the Liberty lens. It gives you freedom. Okay. See, it gives you freedom from glasses. It's Liberty. See, that's nifty. That's a good market marketing. Uh, you can't get that in the United States either. I got this done in Acapulco, Mexico. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I mostly live in Acapulco, Mexico. And one of my wealthy friends here from the United States who lives in my neighborhood told me he had a emergency cataract surgery on his eye and he had these lenses put in. Okay. And I read up on it and saw that when they do it, they call it cataract surgery. But if you don't have cataracts, like me, I don't have cataracts, so I didn't have cataracts. If you don't have cataracts, then they don't call it cataract surgery, they call it premium, premium lens implant. Okay, That's what they call it, yeah. It's a piece of latex manufactured in the country of Hungary. Okay. Yeah, and, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I got both of my eyes done at the same time. A lot of people were telling me only do one at a time. But man, I don't know if I hadn't done two at the same time, I might not have gone Would back. Would you have gone back? Right. 
Because you get strapped down, you're like, I don't stuff. I don't, you see, there's this all light, looks like a pinhole, yeah. and all And light. then I'll be like, then I'll be like, Popeye, you know, like, <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can see with the good eye. I can't really yeah, I can see with the good eye. Come over here, <laughs> step on my right side. Oh hey, my God. Stay on my right side, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. That, that was the scariest thing I've ever done. Definitely. It's very scary. Thing I've ever done. You know, I've had other operate, you know, I had a I had a procedure, you know, I really don't want to go into this one where, you know, they they're like, uh, you have blood in your urine and we want to scope oh, it out. Sister, uh, I've had that yeah. done. That's not fun. No, that's not fun. I don't no, want to talk I'm about sure, that I'm, one. Here. I'm sure it's even less fun for you. I don't <laughs> for want to me, talk about it was that not comfortable, but for you, I'm sure it was even more uncomfortable. You know, it's like, how do you put something like that in there? Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. But, uh, you know, but on a, on a similar vein, I also did... Uh, I did a comedy set. You know, you ever listen to Kevin Hart? Yes, love Kevin yeah. Hart. Kevin Hart, That's love hilarious. Kevin Hart. I listened to his book. I can't make this up. That's the name of the book. And I, I, I listened to him talk about becoming a stand-up comedian, how he did a tour of every comedy club in America and did not break through. Then he did a second tour of every comedy club in America and did not break through. Then he made a third tour of every comedy club in America and still did not become the Kevin Hart that we know today. It was the fourth tour of every club in America. Along the way, he started producing his own shows, hiring out basketball arenas, and then ultimately giant stadiums with 25,000 people in them. And that was the fourth tour, and then he became the Kevin Hart that he is today. I don't know why the movies he makes for Netflix are so bad. Like, you know, I recently <laughs> watched two of them. And they were shockingly well. Listen, um, the one that the Father's Day one was was cute. I thought. Did you I see just that one? Watched, I, I I didn't watch that one. I just watched the Man from Toronto, and okay, I watched uh, I watched uh, the one where his friend. Oh, it's me time. Oh, the me time. Okay, yeah. I see me time. I mean, two of those. How okay, does a guy enough. like Kevin Hart, who's on top of the world, yeah. end up making two movies of that caliber? I mean, right, he should right. be making amazing movies and he's making that instead. I don't get it. But in any case, <laughs> at that point, after listening to that book, I yeah. gave up my aspirations of wanting to do stand-up comedy because I know I don't have the drive to do four oh, to the four tours, tours yeah. right? I don't have that kind of drive. Like a couple of weeks after I give up on my dream of ever being a stand-up comedian, I read about this thing on Facebook. Yeah. And it's like, hey, if you join this class... I will create your comedy set for you and you're going to perform it in front of a live audience that I'm going to provide at Caroline's Comedy Club on Broadway in New York. Oh, City. I love Caroline's. That's fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So that's awesome. I, I paid $6,000 to join that thing. And I did a comedy set. You know, my book, Wisdom of the Men, is all about – it's not – like what, when I started writing Wisdom of the Men, it was supposed to be about um, – the smartest stuff that I learned from the most important men in my life. And I made a list of all the men and I realized after accumulating this list and not really knowing how to tackle this project because it was so enormous that if I only wrote about the super famous men, Dr. Oz and Mike Tyson and Mick Jagger and, and Ringo Starr and five presidents of the United States, if I only wrote about those men I'd have like 40 chapters and it would be about a 400 page book, which is what it turned out to be. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
And uh, one of the men that I wrote about was Benjamin Franklin. Why did I include Benjamin Franklin? He died hundreds of years before you were born, Clint. How could you talk about that? Well, I read his autobiography. I went to the university he founded. And then when I was doing this comedy routine, my comedy routine, the theme was celebrity because my whole thing, like, you know, I'm a celebrity entrepreneur. I believe, you know, celebrities make everything more interesting. You know, when I talk about Kim Kardashian, you're thinking of her lips or other parts of her body. When I talk about Mike Tyson, you can see him biting the ear, you know, yes, and I yeah. also met Evander Holyfield, whose ear was, was bit, you know? Yeah. So in any case, I did this routine about celebrities and to my mind, Benjamin Franklin was the first real American celebrity. He was famous, famous as a diplomat, ambassador to France, ambassador to Sweden. He was one of the uh, writers of the Declaration of Independence. And, you know, he was, he's on the $100 bill today. He was an inventor and an entrepreneur. And one of the things he invented was, of all things, the urinary catheter. You didn't know that, did you? See, I, I don't was, think I, was, I knew that. But no, I, I, and I was just talking about it just a second were just, ago. We were right? just talking was, about this is the scope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, so I did this routine and I, I included a whole section on Benjamin Franklin. And uh, as a matter of fact, like, you know, I transformed myself into Benjamin Franklin. And uh, that up until the point where I did the eye scoop out, yeah. that experience of performing comedy at Caroline's on Broadway was the scariest thing I had ever done because there was no, there's no faking it. You're going up in front of an yep. audience. They're either going to laugh or they're not going to laugh. And a lot of times they did not laugh, even though the guy told me it was going to be all really funny. And you know, everything I did was hysterical. Even still, there was many times when big jokes that I was expecting, I literally had to say, ah, Nothing, really? Nothing at all? Oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> that, that had previously been the scariest thing that I had ever done. But it prepares you for, you know, for one scary thing prepares you for the next scary thing. Yes. And like I said, the more you do scary things, the more mature you get, the more sophisticated and, and developed as a person, I, I think you become, the deeper your character becomes. Oh, that's so good. I agree with you. Um, yeah. It is. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Caroline. I mean, as you're saying it, I, like I literally am picturing Caroline's because you know how it has like um, it has like it's, che it's not checkered, but it's like diamonds or something. With yeah, diamonds. Pink. diamonds. Yeah. I remember that because I went, went there many, many years ago. Oh, my gosh. I think I might have been like 19 years old or something. I went to Caroline's. That venue is a is a very intimate venue. So, you know, it's like if people are not like laughing or not like engaging, you feel it, you know. So I could just imagine being on the stage and having moments like that. That had to be extremely, extremely scary. Thank you very much. Oh, did you? Uh, oh, I think it's blurred out. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, there it is. There are the diamonds. <laughs> I remember that. I've seen Jerry Seinfeld here. I've seen Chris Rock right on that very stage. 
that Clint just brought. So kudos to you, Clint. You're amazing. You just keep taking it to the next level. And I want to be you when I grow up. I swear I do. Oh, that's I love awesome. her. That, I, you know, I was going through videos what today. Because I, That's fantastic. I, you know, <laughs> look, you know, I'm I'm willing to go and do things that are out of my comfort zone. When I was on the Today Show, uh, Brooke Shields was the interviewer. She said, you know, Clint, you talk a lot about being comfortable outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. I said, yeah, life begins where your comfort zone ends. That's the truth. She says, well, that sounds scary. And I said, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> When it's scary is when it's great. That's what I said. And I don't know where that came from. Luckily, that was my 57th television appearance. I've done 117 so far. That was my 57th. And one of the things I love about going on TV is that when you're on TV, you're like really present in the moment. Yeah. You know, like, like kind of like these interviews. But when you're on the Today Show in Studio 1A at 30 Rockefeller Center and there's a thousand lights in the ceiling and 10 cameras all over the place, 100 people jammed into a little room, everybody watching you sitting opposite Brooke Shields, it's really in the moment. I don't know where that came from, but it's true. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, my wife and I, we used to uh, come down to Acapulco a lot for vacation. It started out because I wanted to always be on the Today Show. And that was about, you know, promoting my books and my seminars and, you know, coaching, consulting. And I booked myself on some TV shows and I convinced a hotel in Acapulco to give me a free vacation in exchange for me promoting them on TV. I oh, had nice. these two, two national TV appearances. Um, one of them was shot in New York and the other one was shot in Florida. And they were both national shows and I promoted it and they gave me two week vacation nice. in a suite. It was great. And we, then we started- skills there. Yeah, then we started paying <laughs> to go on vacation. We ended up doing seven vacations in this hotel after they gave us two for free. And then it got dangerous to go to Acapulco, right? You've, been, you've read about how Acapulco- Oh yeah, they had a little bit of- Dangerous, bump up, right? Yeah, bump up and- and then the pandemic comes along and they say, you know, it's looking like I, I was in the middle of an eight week speaking tour. I had eight different places to speak. And the last the last one was I was hosting Tony Robbins 60th birthday party. Oh, wow. In Los Angeles. Oh, LA. And, okay. And yeah. after that, everything got canceled. And I said to my wife, everything's getting canceled for COVID. They're going to want us to go quarantine. You want to quarantine in our apartment on the 13th floor in New York City? Mm -hmm. Or you want to go to Los Angeles and stay in one of our lofts? Or mm -hmm. do you want to rent a house in Arizona or Florida? What mm -hmm. do you want to do? Or, or do you want to go to Acapulco and just turn these two weeks to slow the spread into a vacation? Mm -hmm. So we get on a plane and we go to Acapulco. Yeah. And then they say... And this is when it gets scary. Yeah. They say, here I am, I'm in Acapulco, Mexico. Dangerous, murder capital of the world at one point. Mm -hmm. And I'm in my favorite hotel, which is luxury, best right. neighborhood. And they say, the State Department advises all Americans who are abroad to return to the United States immediately. Huh. And we're in Acapulco, Mexico on right. day 
7 of 14. Right. That's when I started looking for villas to mm -hmm. rent. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the 14 days of our hotel reservation, I had rented us a villa in a very in the best neighborhood. The best neighborhood of Acapulco, a private villa. And the night before we're supposed to check into the villa, I'd already paid for the month. The night before we're supposed to check in, I'm getting scared. The villa doesn't have a front door. You just walk up the steps and you're in the outdoor living room and dining room. Oh, okay, got it. Okay. All right, the door to the bedroom where we're gonna sleep had just a little, one of those flimsiest little locks. You could easily kick that door yeah, open. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, are, am I doing the right thing? I mean, first of all, what if we get sick? There's really no good hospitals in Acapulco. I'm counting on the fact that it's 85 degrees and sunny with 80% humidity every day to keep right. me from getting sick, right? Absolutely. But what if we do get sick? And then, you know, it's dangerous. Is it safe to stay in a private home in Acapulco with no front door? Maybe I should buy a gun. I look at oh, buy a gun in Acapulco. Can you buy a gun in Mexico? And I read about how many hunters from the United States made the critical mistake of bringing guns to Mexico and going right to jail because you can't have guns unless you have a special permit. They're very serious about it. No guns. If I could have got my money back, I would have, but I couldn't get my money back. Uh, and the next day I screwed on my cojones and we packed up our stuff and I get a rent a car and I come back to the hotel. We load up our suitcases and our stuff, our food and drinks, and we drive over to the house. And when we walk up the steps into the outdoor living room and dining room with no front door, we look at each other and we're like, what the hell have we been doing in that hotel all these years? This is so uh, much better. better. And we spent a month there. We got another villa for another month. We got another villa for two months. After four and a half months in Acapulco, I used this exact pen to write a gigantic check to purchase our own villa in Acapulco. Oh, awesome. And so big that we host our seminars there now. Okay. In, at the end of this month, we have two of our clients hosting their seminars at our villa. They rented it out. I taught them how to do seminars. And uh, they've got people coming down for their retreats, health retreats, weight loss retreats. We serve gluten-free food, sugar-free food. We have a gourmet chef. We have a butler. We have daily nice. maid service. It's got um, eight bedrooms and sleep 16 people. So it's a very good-sized place. And, uh, and then the month of October, we're doing four solid weeks of seminars of, of our own. My wife's doing a one-week seminar called Share Your Gifts, where mm -hmm. you come and you basically uh, share what's special about what you do with with the rest of the group and everybody gets to experience each other's gifts. It's a very amazing transformation thing. Then I'm doing my impact, influence, and income. Then we're doing my celebrity launch pad where I teach people how to book themselves on TV. Then I'm doing okay. a small group mastermind for my advanced coaching members of celebrity launch pad. And then we have another person the first week of November, another one of my superstar clients doing her seminar there. So you know, awesome. seven weeks of events going on in Acapulco, all because I had the courage to write a gigantic check, gigantic, paid cash. Yeah, those are See? always hard to do. <laughs> they are, but it's paid off. <laughs> you know, I said to my wife, it was, it was like, I never wrote a check that big. 
And I said to her, look, if all we get, if maybe this whole seminar thing isn't going to work out, right? Before we knew if anyone would come, because it's right. a long way. It's a so faith. Faith. You said that on faith. I said, look, if all we get is to live here and retire here, you know, yeah. a better standard of living, have the great weather, the great food, if that's all we get, we'll add Bonus. 10 years to our lifestyle. A lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, what's that worth? Definitely worth, definitely Good worth check. the seven figures that I pay. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course, no doubt. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, that's th those are some incredible fear-facing moments, and you have demonstrated that the result of which is amazing, right? Every single time that you face fear, something incredible happened, and you know that is that's that's it. I mean, I think that I was talking to one of my nurses the other day because I have been kind of living vicariously through her because she's been able to just pick up and go and travel and do all these things. Um, which I'm not currently able to do just because we have children and they're in school. Um, but she's gone to like Thailand and she's done adventure races there. She's just like, got, I mean, she just like picked up and every time somebody says, Hey, let's go do something. She said, yes. And she said that, you know, just by doing that, by facing her fear, cause she's typically a introverted person just by facing her fear and saying yes has afforded her so many adventures that she would never, ever have had. And it just completely enriches your life. And so as you're saying that, and you know, as you did Caroline's and as you, you know, you took a you took a bull move and got the villa in Acapulco, I'm just seeing that. Like that is definitely something that holds true. It's like when we step out of fear, when we like have the faith to to believe, to dream that it will happen, like the people will come, you know, and we make those bold steps, then that's when the universe is like, okay, you're ready. And then she just like blesses you with everything. You know, uh, m you know, when you were little and you saw the boogeyman mm -hmm. and you would scream, daddy, daddy is the boogeyman and the boogie and the cat and the dad would come in the room and he would turn on the light and show you look it's just a coat on a hanger with a weird light shining against it and that's why it looks like it's just a, a hanger on the coat right see my favorite quote from general george s Patton: accept the challenges 
so that you can feel the exhilaration of victory. And when you think about that and break it down to what it is, that's talking about fear. Because most of the fears that you come up against in your life are not as bad, if at all, anything like what you're imagining they're going to be. And when you go through, when you face the challenge, when you accept the challenge and you come through and you and you face the fear and you conquer the fear, then you get to feel the exhilaration of victory. See, and that's why I'm at the point in my life where when I am afraid of something, I go to it. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Because most of the time, there's really nothing to fear. You know, I, I was I was very scared about this eye operation. A lot of people told me, a lot of people told me that it was no big deal. I found out they do 30 million of these operations a year inserting oh, these really? eyes. Oh, really? 30 million. Oh, wow. That's in the whole world. You okay. know, that's not a big amount in the whole world. Right. And And if that's even true. And is that... 30 million lenses, meaning 15 right, million so, people. Right, right? exactly. Okay. Right. Okay. Who knows? Mark, you know, marketing, you got to be careful a, with it's marketing. It's a good number. I mean, it's, it's not a, like it's 10. You've done 10 in the whole world. I mean, that would right. be a concerning. Right. But then one person wrote on my Facebook, because I was making videos about this on my Facebook, up into, working up to it, talking about how scared I was. And one person wrote, hey, I had the operation and I'm one of the 30% of people who had complications because I had a torn retina. And now I have to wear big, thick glasses to read. And, uh, but I do have good distance vision. This is what she writes. Right. And, um, you know, I hope everything turns out good for you, but I wanted to let you know. Right? I mean, hello. Right uh, before your surgery, you're like hearing that. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I went ahead and did it anyway because I really do embrace this whole philosophy of when it's scary is when it's great. I talk a lot about it in Wisdom of the Men. I've I've done a lot of scary things and there's more stories in there. But um, these were some of the some of the good ones for you. Not as good. I love it. The tribe loves it. I'm sure. And so you have to tell us where can they get wisdom for men? Wisdom of the Men by Clint Arthur on Amazon.com. Okay, awesome. You can get it as a hardcover, you can get it as a Kindle, or if you got Audible credits. I don't know if you're a member of Audible like me. I, I got credits yes, stacking up. You know, I got, you know, <laughs> always listen to something. <laughs> hey, please crack off an Audible credit and get Wisdom of the Men by Clint Arthur. You'll enjoy it. It's a really great performance. I did it. Uh, I checked okay, myself cool. into a hotel in Las Vegas for three days and made that audible, and I'm very proud of it. I get really great compliments about it, and uh, I know you'll enjoy it. Okay, I think I will do that. Good. <laughs> awesome. And then is there any way that they can reach you, Clint? Like if they hey. are interested in, in, you know, in you as a person, as a coach, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, if you're an author, a speaker, a coach, a consultant, advisor, any kind of expert, I have walked the path that you want to walk. I went from being a complete nobody to working my way up to the biggest television show in America. I've been on every show in America. I've worked with the biggest celebrities, as you can tell. That's what my whole book is all about. And um, 
spoken at all the most prestigious venues in the world. And if you're interested in having my help in creating that reality for yourself, go to clint.com, C-L-I-N-T-T-T.com. Why three T's, Clint? Because one of my clients was a scientist of names. She invented the science of namology. And she said to me, Clint, I wish that you would have an extra T at the end of your name because the T's always end up on top, like Trump. I said, oh, that's very interesting. I couldn't get ClintWith2Ts.com, right. but I could get ClintWith3Ts.com, and it's an easy way to remember where to go, okay. ClintWith3Ts.com. Okay. Love it. Love the story, too. It's great. Thank you. Awesome. And so now, Clint, with 3 tscom we are at the point in the show where we're going to do fill in the blanks. Are you ready? Oh. Fill in the blanks. Okay. Let me tell you a quick story about that. Is okay. that okay? Do you yeah, have yeah, time? Right. One yeah. more? Okay. So uh, I chased the Hollywood dream for 13 years. I wanted to be a movie star, a screenwriter. I wrote 30 screenplays, 13 years. I drove a taxi for six years in Los Angeles trying to make that dream a reality. And I tried to make it every way I could. I auditioned and got on a lot of game shows. And one of the game shows I got on was called Match Game. Okay. And what's Match Game? They give you a word and then a blank. You got to fill in the blank. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they say to you, okay, look, you're, you, we want you on the show. So we want you to come back next Wednesday. And if we're going to film three shows that day, if we can get you in one of those shows, then you're done. But yeah. if we can't get you on the show the first day, we guarantee we'll get you on the show the second day. So I go there the first day. They don't get me on the show. I go home back to my boat that I'm living on in Marina Del Rey. And I'm drinking beer and smoking pot, and I come up with this fantasy, okay? There's celebrities on the show, and the, mm-hmm. ce- the celebrities were Vicky Lawrence, Judy Tenuta, some other guy, and George Hamilton. You ever hear of George Hamilton? I know who George Hamilton is. Come on. Ever, like, I, he's a real star, right? He's yes, a real yes, star. he is. I know, I know. Not everybody knows, but, you know. So I come up with this fantasy. All right, I'm going to win my first game, and you get 500 bucks for that. Then okay. they match you up with one celebrity. You pick a celebrity, and if you match the one celebrity, you get $5,000. I'm going to pick George Hamilton. I'm going to match George Hamilton. I'm going to go up to him afterward. I'm going to say, hey, George, I'll give you 5000 if you'll you'll be in my independent movie. I wrote a perfect part for you, even though I hadn't written anything, right? right. This is my fantasy. Next day, I go... I'm on the show. I win my first match. They go, okay, Clint, for $5,000, which celebrity do you want to match? I say, and I'm looking at George Hamilton. And I'm looking at George Hamilton. And I'm looking at George Hamilton. And I cannot remember his name for the oh, life. That's ridiculous. And I'm looking at George Hamilton. Oh, my And gosh. I'm looking at for so freaking long that, that, that Vicky Lawrence goes, is he dead? And there's a hundred people in the audience on bleachers. The whole auditorium erupts laughing at me, oh, right? No. Laughing at me. Oh my gosh. And I feel like such an idiot because I can't remember George Howell. He's like the center of my whole plan. I can't remember his name. Yes, yes. And I go, okay, Judy, I, I, okay, Vicky, come on down here. Wow. So 
The host goes, okay, Clint, for $5,000, meet blank, M-E-A-T, blank, mm -hmm. meet blank. What would you say? M-E-A-T, blank, meet blank. I don't know. I wouldn't say meet the press because there's two blanks. No, 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 no. Meet, M-E-A-T, mm -hmm. blank, meet blank. I don't the know. food, meat. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, meatballs, meatballs, meatloaf. That's exactly what I said, meatball. Vicky Lawrence goes, oh, I'm so sorry, Clint. I wrote meat market. See, what? now there's several lessons in this thing. And the first lesson is, if you're ever on a game show, never pick the celebrity who's a regular on the show because they're going to act like they want to help you, but they don't really want to help you. They want to save money for their friend, the producer. She saved right. him $5,000 by putting a plausible answer that was the wrong answer. Meatball. Obviously, it's meatball. Obviously, right? Meatball. Credits yeah. are rolling. I go down on the stage and shaking hands with all the celebrities. George Hamilton comes over to me, hands me a card on one side that says match game. On the other side, he wrote meatballs. He oh. says, you should have picked me, Clint. Oh, man. I go out of the studio. It's at CBS Television Center in Los Angeles. I get into my taxi, and I start driving home, yeah. going down Fairfax Boulevard. The tears of course. Just coming yes, down. Yes. I'm, I had to actually literally pull over to the side of the road because I was crying so hard because I felt like I was such a huge loser, okay? Oh, I couldn't do anything man. right. And I look over and I notice I'm parked in front of 6100 Wilshire Boulevard, which was my best friend and his sister who was my ex-girlfriend. Their father was a huge movie producer. I only had one job in Hollywood the whole time I was there because I was dating the sister. I was a production assistant on a movie called Firebird starring Nicolas Cage, Tommy Lee Jones, and Sean Young. I swept the floors and got coffee. It was produced by the father whose offices were in that building. And I'm like, oh my God, I gotta get myself together. What if, what if Stephanie comes out of that building? What if the father comes out and they see me and I'm a taxi driver? I'm, ah. <laughs> okay, uh, fill in the blank, go ahead. Yes. Oh, gee, that's quite the story. <laughs> gee, you sound so traumatized by that. Now I'm like wondering if you should do the fill the blanks on the show. <laughs> no, Get we have to do blank. it. We have to do it because it's a tradition of our show here. All right, here we go. All right. Meatball. Meatball. There it is. <laughs> well, thankfully, there, there's none of those. None of those <laughs> in these. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So the first one is if I am fearless, I will. Conquer every obstacle. Okay. All right. Cool. The next one is to me, fearless freedom means the ability to make my dreams become my reality and live my life with no regrets. Love it. And then the last one is my battle cry is adventure. Awesome. 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 All right. Clint triple T.com. Thank you so much for spending time with us here at the fearless freedom tribe. We loved it. It was a great conversation. 
<laughs> really awesome. Thanks, Charmaine. All right.